Welcome to the Chalkboard, my fellow football nerds, for episode number 128 of Chalk Talk. I'm your host, Shane Half, and you can follow me on Twitter and YouTube at ShaneHalfNFL. I'm joined today by the best co-host in the game. You've heard him on the Tough Cover radio show. It is Mark Henry Jr. Give him a follow on Twitter at Mark Henry Jr. underscore Mark. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. It was a, I think it was a pretty fun NFL week. I feel like a pretty fun college football week. We got a crazy weekend of football ahead of us already that I'm already looking at on Monday. It's, I mean, Shane's got to be happy that the Phillies are out of the world series makes his life a lot easier for podcasting uh, that they're not in the world series right now. Um, It was, Quite heartbreaking. Uh, I mean, it would make it easier if it wasn't Halloween this week on Tuesday yeah, when we normally yeah, record this podcast. So the hits just keep rolling. It's fall. It is what it is. Yeah, it's a tough time. I mean, I think they they would even be playing in the next week potentially if it was if they were in. But that's a whole other conversation. Worst Philadelphia sports loss of all time, and nothing like that to turn your full attention over. Uh, to football, which I think Shane thinks I'm like cheating on football when I'm watching the Phillies. I don't think watching the people basketball. think <laughs> the people think they put it in the reviews all the time. Mark's cheating on football. I know I'm a little, I'm a loyal man to football, but sometimes the, the, you know, baseball and basketball seduces me away, but uh, it, I am fully footballified now. Like <laughs> all of my focus on football, like basketball just started and I'm like, even like sometimes usually when the NBA gets here, I'm so excited. I'm like, Oh, it's been four months since the NBA. Uh, I'm ready for basketball um, this year. I'm like, yeah, do we really need it? Like, can we push it back a few weeks? I am fully in football. mode. Well, it is a good week for it because while we are going to review the week eight action, looking ahead to week nine, there are some awesome matchups. You've got Miami at Kansas city. Uh, that is a Germany game. So it kicks off early on Sunday morning. And then you can chase that right into Baltimore, Seattle uh, in the one o'clock slate. And then, of course, you've got Eagles, Dallas in the, at 425. Sunday night football is Cincinnati, Buffalo. Uh, there are so many good games going on this weekend. And then, of course, you end it with a bad matchup on Monday night. Los Angeles, New York. But some crazy games going on this week. This is not a preview podcast. Two playoff, two playoff relevant teams, though, the Chargers and the Jets. like eh. They're in the mix. I think I've already canceled them both, so I'm I'm uninterested. No, I only canceled the Chargers. I haven't canceled the Jets yet. Stay tuned. Uh, (laughs) So, yeah, uh, we missed last week's episode. I was traveling back from Philly. Mark, we are back. (laughs) That was was a fun story, a little inside baseball. Shane's been having a computer issue. It shuts down, and then I thought it was on my end, so I backed out, and then he couldn't have me back. We're back. Sorry. (laughs) Those of you watching or listening later, there will not be the four minute gap because I'll edit that out. But yeah, I'm about to throw this computer out in the front yard. Uh, This is, this is, I think, oh shoot. Now I clicked the wrong button. This is Brian. (laughs) This is great podcasting folks. Uh, This is like the third time. Yeah. This is like the third time in four weeks. It's just crashed mid podcast and I have no idea why, (laughs) uh, yeah, I don't. What were we? I don't even remember what we were talking about when it crashed. I think we were just saying we were saying why why we didn't have a show last week. But oh the yeah, con- the press conference is going to be bad. It's like you're coming off a bye week, and you know, and you're having technological difficulties on like the first drive of the game. Like you can't even get we can't even get to our scripted plays. 
it's it's just this is pretty much like the miami dolphins having a delay a game on their first offensive (laughs) snap against the eagles so uh bad stuff but yeah uh anyways we'll get back to the show here we'll edit that out for you watchers on youtube later so you don't have to sit there for four minutes at a blank screen and hopefully my computer won't do it again Uh, mark if it does just assume anything's on my end at this point because i'm (laughs) apparently gonna have to get a new computer now but yeah i messaged mark on twitter and i was like my computer did the thing again just start talking about the eagles and he's like oh i backed out and i can't get back in yeah i thought it was on my end all right well enough of that let's dive into it here mark uh let's start with the philadelphia eagles victory over the washington commanders uh they win 38 to 31 uh aj brown sets an nfl record for his sixth straight game with 125 receiving yards. He had a one-handed catch for a touchdown. Another huge touchdown catch with like two defenders nearby, contested catch. He is on pace for 128 receptions for 1,995 yards and 11 touchdowns, which is just incredible stuff. Uh, Truly witnessing history. He's one of the two receivers we're going to talk about that, record-setting wide receiver duo from the podcast title. We'll get to the other one later. Uh, Jalen Hurts ended the day with uh, a completion percentage over expectation of 17.4%, which is wild, and a drop-back EPA of 0.72 per uh, EPA per drop-back, which is by far the best mark of his career. Uh, on the commander's side, Sam Howell, Apparently is I think Sam Howell is the commander's version versus the Eagles of what the Eagles have in Boston Scott versus the Giants. Uh, if you put his two Eagles games together and extended it on a 17 game pace, he would complete 73% of his passes for 5,840 yards and 43 touchdowns. That would put him first in each of those categories last year by a significant margin of 590 yard lead over what Patrick Mahomes did last year. It's just absurd. Uh, in the first half, he had a 1.93 second time to throw and they were pushing the ball downfield six yards, average depth to target. So there's just voids all over the middle of the Eagles secondary. A lot of it probably comes from uh, you have linebackers that aren't great to begin with. You've got Sidney Brown, a college safety playing slot defender for the first time in his career you got a new safety in Kevin Byard. You've got Reed Blankenship coming off of injury. It's just not a good, uh, not good cohesion there, which could be expected. Hopefully that's something that will get better as the season goes along. But what did you take away from this one? The Eagles escape again. They're seven and one. I tweeted out, hey, have you, first of all, I'm sure you have. Have you seen Pirates of the Caribbean? Yeah, of course. Okay. So sidebar, is it Pirates of the Caribbean or Pirates of the Caribbean? I don't I think I say Caribbean, but I think it's probably correctly Caribbean. See, I feel like when I'm referring to the location, I say Caribbean. But when I say the movie title, I say Caribbean. And I don't know yeah, why. Yeah, I think you're right there. I think you're onto something there. But so, you know, like the scene when Jack gets arrested at the beginning and the guy tells him, you're without a doubt the worst pirate that I've ever heard of. And he says, ah, but you have heard of me. I tweeted that out <laughs> and it was like, the Eagles are the most the Eagles wins are the most unimpressive thing I've ever seen. And then Jack's like, ah, but we are winning. Cause that's pretty much what I feel like with the Eagles. Now they got the best record in football. It is not always pretty. You should not be sweating out back-to-back games against the commanders, but here we are. uh, And the Eagles are seven and one leading the NFL. 
Yeah, I'd rather win ugly than win five games beautifully and lose three in a row uh, because my quarterback turned into a pumpkin. The cough, San Francisco cough. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel good about where the Eagles are, even if it isn't necessarily as beautiful as we want it to be uh, like it was last year uh, for most of last year. But, um, I, I mean, it's a tale of two sides of the ball here in, in this game because there's not a lot to – complain about on offense other than the fact that you fumbled twice that i mean that's really the complaint um and but if you're gonna if you want to complain it's pretty easy to go to the other side of the ball it's pretty easy to go to the defense and find things to pick apart find things to get upset about and you know there was that meme going around yesterday and it was like sam howell when he plays the eagles and it was just like tom brady highlight peyton manning highlight patrick mahomes highlight like it's pretty funny. I don't get it. It's insane. Sam Howell gets sacked eight times a game against every other team, but against the top five sacks team in football that almost broke the record last year, we can't get pressure on him. It's insane. Um, I, I, I have choosing... a bone to pick about sacks, by the way. So, I, yeah, I agree with what you're going to say. But yeah, yeah. The, the intentional grounding, like – that should be yep. that should be counted as a sack and sack yardage instead of being counted as penalty yardage and like is it ultimately a difference no like he's down there at second down but it matters to these guys i mean and, and it's not like a it, it i heard a report like i heard somebody say that Hassan Reddick was upset after the game not like you know throwing the fit in the locker room but he was just upset he didn't get that sack and Stat chasing's fine. Like that's how these guys get paid. You, your agent 100%. wants to sit down and say, "Hey, he had 20 sacks this year," and things like that. I mean, that should count as a sack, especially when you run like a like Jalen Hurts escaping from the pocket gets back to like a half a yard from the line of scrimmage and slides down, and they give the sack to the closest defender, even though they like didn't even touch him. Like NFL, just change that rule. That should count as a sack. It doesn't impact the game, but it's meaningful for these guys. But he does get the sack at the end of the game. Hassan Reddick is the closer. Like He gets a sack on the final drive. Uh, it's a few times now that he's done that. He did it against the Dolphins. Uh, he's done it, I believe, in one other game this year. So for whatever reason, Hassan Reddick on final drives is just killer. Yeah, the Phillies wish they, they had a closer uh, as good as, as him. Uh, I don't even know how I just made that joke on myself. Feels like I'm I wasn't going to bring it up with that one. Yeah, feel, you, the Sixers could use a closer like that too. Yeah, Hassan Reddick. I mean, he really is the closer. People, what wasn't that a show? Um, wasn't there a girl on TNT or something called The Closer? Someone needs to like Photoshop Hassan Reddick's face under her body. <laughs> I'm sure he'd love that. There was um, a show, a quick Google search says, I have no idea what it's about, but it was a yeah, I don't know drama either. that ran for seven seasons. Oh, You're detectives. Like, there you go. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, yeah, I, I Hassan Reddick seems to come up clutch at the end of games. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Eric Bieniemy, Um, because Al, we, we've now seen him twice. He's the Washington offensive coordinator. Um, he was Kansas City's offensive coordinator last year. And I heard someone say it, and I hadn't really thought of it. Is there a chance the enemy just has our defense totally figured out? Which he shouldn't because this decide defense isn't a carbon copy of the Gannon defense last year, although it's a lot of the same personnel. Does he just have the personnel figured out? Does he have – what explains 
how good Washington's offense does against us when we uh, we held Miami to 10 points last week. How can we rationalize this in our heads? Yeah. Um, first of all, you probably acknowledge if the Miami game is played 10 times, the Eagles only hold them to 10 points once. Uh, mm-hmm. So you caught lightning in a bottle there. Not to say it wasn't a good performance. I just think, I mean, in this game, I really felt like it was put Jahan Dotson in the slot, put Logan Thomas on the other side. Where's Sidney Brown? Where's Reed Blankenship? Throw the ball at them immediately and don't let the line back, you know, the pass rush get there. And that's what they did to a really high success level in the first half. I just think there's a lot of zone drops over the middle of the field with guys that aren't very good, either a aren't very good in coverage or B are not used to playing together and they don't relate those coverages well together. I haven't got to get into the all 22 film yet, but just feels like the spine of the defense is problematic. And we expected that coming into the season. Now I do think it'll get better. Uh, I thought Reed Blankenship played a terrible game. He gets the pick at the end. That was in the Chauncey Gardner Johnson uh, vein of picks where it just went right to him. He didn't make a great play. It was just a bad throw right to his hands. Uh, other than that, he didn't play very well. He was upset after the game. I heard people saying that, you know, I, I think it was, I can't remember now. I can't credit whoever said this, but I saw it on Twitter. One of the reporters was saying that he was upset just really down after the game. And they asked, they asked him like, what, what play are you upset about? And he was like, pick one. And, and you like that? from the guy that like he gets the interception and a lot of guys would just be stoked about that. But like he realizes he played a really bad game and you know, you don't expect that from him. He certainly showed well uh, in his young career, Kevin Byard, you expect him to progress as well. So I think that will get better. Now it doesn't have much time to get better because you're about to go into that Dallas game, the bye, and then you come out Casey uh, Buffalo, San Fran, Dallas again, Seattle. So it's murderers row. Uh, they're going to have to figure it out quickly. Yeah, and I guess just switching back to the offense because I went right to the defense. I went right to the negative. Um, all the talk here is going to be about A.J. Brown. And and, it, and in some intensive purposes, it should be. He's fantastic. He's a top what receiver in the world. Before I get to my main point, he's a top what receiver in the world, Shane? Three, are we, right? Are we counting Justin Jefferson, who's yeah. on IR? Okay, yeah. then yeah, so three. three. Yeah, that's what I said, too. Um, I got some pushback from some people that I know in, in Philly saying he's number one without a doubt. And I'm like, all right, let's... going into for going into the season, I went Justin Jefferson one, uh, Tyree kill two, Devonte Adams, three, AJ Brown, four. And I would for sure flip Devonte Adams and AJ Brown right now. Yeah. I think I would flip AJ Brown with Tyree kill. However, that's a skill thing. Like if I had an, let me just say this, we'll jump the shark completely here. If I had an MVP vote and I'm voting halfway through the season, there's not a quarterback that's running away with this. I think the discussion for MVP right now would go to AJ Brown or Tyree kill. If I had that vote, I would vote for Tyreek. His production's still better. So I would rather have AJ Brown. Cause I think whereas Tyreek Hill does one thing really well, he runs fast and speed kills, but you can throw the ball to AJ Brown short and he can break tackles. You can throw it to him intermediate. You can throw it to him deep. You can get him jump balls. Like there's really not any aspect of the game. He's not really good at. And so you don't have to do a lot of those creative things. So I would rather have AJ Brown. I would say right now, Tyreek Hill's still producing better. 
I think Tyreek, I would still rather have Tyreek Hill. I, I've said for a long time on this show, uh, actually, Tyreek Hill or TJ Watt's a really tough question for me, who I think is more valuable. Um, it's probably Watt by a little bit. But um, I've said for a long time, Tyreek Hill is the most valuable non-quarterback, uh, not named TJ Watt. And I still feel that way. I still think he's the number one receiver that I'd want on my team. I would put Jefferson second and I'd put Brown third. But regardless, I mean, you're, you're picking nits. They're the three best receivers in the world. It, uh, no, you know, no question about it, in my opinion. But I actually wanted to push back against the MVP thing. Oh, okay. And I know... Uh, that people want to give AJ Brown all the credit. And last week I was hearing about how Lane Johnson's the most valuable Eagle. And this week I'm hearing about how AJ Brown should be the MVP. Can we give credit to the guy who had the best passing day of his career on Sunday? And can we give credit to a guy who's currently second in MVP odds in Jalen hurts because Jalen hurts is right in the mix. I know he's got interceptions four of them. You can literally say like are not, and in any way his fault. So it's tough for me to want to take that away from him because of that. And he's going to have the wins at the end of the year to be in the conversation. So I still think Jalen Hurts is probably the most valuable player in the NFL right now. Um, to, if I had to just say who I think, and it's hard to say it's anyone but Mahomes, but Mahomes has had two pretty crappy performances this year. So it's hard to, it's hard to back that up. I'm sure he will be in the conversation at the end, but I, I think Jalen Hurts is still the most valuable Eagle, even though we keep trying to crown a new Eagle as the most valuable Eagle every week. Yeah. I, I think if the interceptions get cleaned up and I'm not saying they're his fault, but I'm saying there's a lot of guys that are going to vote on the award. They're going to check yeah. box scores and yeah. they're going to see, you know, he's on, and I'm not saying he's going to continue at this pace. He's on pace for 17 interceptions. And I don't think you're going to win the MVP with that. Now you would expect some regression, uh, in terms of the interceptions there, but you look at the guy and he was what second last year. And he is pro right now. He is projected to throw for 800 more yards. He's projected to throw for six more touchdowns. He's projected to throw for 11 more interceptions. And you would expect that to get toned down. I do think who's first projected right now to run for about the same amount. Yeah. It is Lamar number one right now. Tua. Tua, Tua. is one. So two is three to one. Jalen's four to one. All right, this is what I saw this morning. But two is three to one. Jalen's four to one. Mahomes is five to one. And then I think Lamar was like six to one. Uh, it's it, I could have those numbers off a little bit, but it went to a Jalen Mahomes Lamar this morning. I feel like at the end of the year, the two guys that are most likely to win it are Jalen and Lamar. I think the the okay. I think the Ravens' offense is really coming together. We'll get to them in a minute. Uh, I think you could see them get do really well. I think there's some Mahomes fatigue from him being so good. You'll see that with them not wanting to just give him the MVP again. Like you said, he's had a couple games that aren't so good. The Chiefs have struggled. I think the Chiefs are going to be fine. Uh, but I think those are the two guys that are probably most likely right now. I, I think Tua will fall off. You, you're still always concerned with injury. He's turned in two clunker games against the bills and against the dolphins and he's got or against the Eagles. He's got to play the bills again. And so we'll see, we'll see how it shakes out, but that's kind of my thoughts right now. No, I think that's totally fair. I don't think it'll be two. I'm actually shocked Tua is the favorite and I'm like the biggest two and non believer of all time. Uh, but I, I just don't think he's the MVP right now. I think it's Jalen or Lamar. If I had to say this second, I mean, honestly, it's Lamar. 
Like, actually, as I'm sitting here thinking about it, Lamar is absolutely the guy that's the most valuable. If we're just taking it on face value at the definition of most valuable, it's Lamar Jackson, um, considering what he has to work with compared to Mahomes, compared to Jalen, compared to Tua. It's Lamar. But I do think Mahomes ends up winning it, if I had to just say who I think ends up winning it. But Jalen was unbelievable in this game. I mean, that throw to Julio, one of the best throws of his career. Um, I mean, even the like people are going to freak out about the AJ catch, and it's unbelievable. And, and Jason Kelsey diving in and doing his yeah. celebration with the one hand is incredible. And that's maybe the best catch an Eagle has ever made in my life. I, I think I'm safe to say that. And not like biggest, like just like, most impressive that's probably the most impressive catch like highest degree of difficulty but Jalen put that in a spot where only AJ could go and grab that ball like I just felt like Jalen played a near perfect game at least in terms of his arm in terms of throwing the ball in this game and being able to do that when he's clearly banged up and clearly didn't want to run a ton I mean, I just think Jalen is so special. And I'm not breaking any news, but uh, sometimes I just think it gets lost in the shuffle and we only talk about him when he messes up sometimes. Um, so, yeah. I just he could also that. barely move in this game. So, yep. there's that too. Best passing game of his career. And that's one that gives you hope for like the athleticism goes away at some point. He's showing that he can win from the pocket without it. Now, certainly – teams play him differently because of the yeah. athleticism, but it's just phenomenal to see his growth as a passer so far. Yeah. I mean, and it, just beyond, I just, I didn't mean to turn this into like a Jalen love fest, but just beyond like the football field and beyond the, 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 on pl- the performance, when you take into consideration that he is banged up and that he adjusted and worked whatever he had to work, to be to make this a uh, you know they came into this game with a plan of attack for him to not use his legs like they came into this game for him to tough it out in the pocket and by the way he took a couple huge hits the one he took man he really got hit right in the right in the midsection it was one of those like it looked like a WWE spear like he, he really got like speared back on it and he stood right up started running down the field um, it might have even – I could be totally off. It may have been the Devontae catch that actually wasn't a catch. Yeah, it um, was. That they ran down the field. Yeah, he got smoked on that play. Still ran down the field and got the ball hiked. Yeah. Which, time out. I, I just stumbled upon something I wanted to talk about, and it's not Eagles related. So I'm spending way too much time on this game. We're, we'll move on right after this. Ron Rivera. What a loser. This guy is a buffoon. He's a moron, whatever you want to call him. I mean, the fact that this guy's still coaching in the NFL, the fact that this guy's above Eric Bieniemy on a coaching staff is a joke. Like, how do you not challenge that play? Like, Well, he said so- after the game he didn't have time to watch the replay. Well, Shane, he didn't see it on the Jumbotron. <laughs> yeah, I mean, first of all, you don't watch the replay. You have a guy in the booth doing that. Second of all, <laughs> you don't even need to wait. When you see on a fourth down, a receiver go to the ground trying to make a catch and then jump up and give a signal and everybody's running to the line and the quarterback is hobbling 40 yards downfield to run a play really fast, maybe you just think that might be a red flag. You see what I did there? <laughs> might be a red like flag. It. You should throw the red flag, right? What do you? What's it cost you at this point? Like, are you afraid you're going to run out of challenges? Just throw the. <laughs> that's a huge, huge swing in the game, and 
he also made an incorrect decision not going for two the first game, sending it to overtime. Like mm-hmm. you could argue Ron Rivera and those two decisions cost them these two games. Yeah, and I will say that the weird it was really weird uh at the end of the game, that catch that Washington had that ended up not being a catch, and then Rivera challenged it and it was still incomplete. That was a weird situation. I'll give Washington fans, they were coming after me on Twitter saying the refs won us the game, yada, yada, yada. And we've seen two weeks of that in a row where the other fan base is kind of yelling at us about that the refs gave us wins. I didn't think it was a poorly officiated game, but I did think it was very weird that 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 was called a catch on the field and then somehow overturned to an incompletion, but then Washington had to challenge it instead of us. Like, that was a crazy, crazy sequence of events. And if that happened to the Eagles, I'd be yelling and screaming about it on this podcast for sure. Yeah. All right. Let's roll on to Thursday night football uh, where we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers against the Buffalo Bills. The Bills win 24 to 18. Bills Nation collectively held their breath when Josh Allen appeared to hurt his shoulder in the first half. He went into the medical tent. Kyle Allen was warming up. I just realized both their quarterback's last name is Allen. You get the same aesthetic on the jersey. That's kind of cool. Uh, I noticed it because I said Kyle, in my notes, I said Kyle Allen was warming up, but Allen came back. So Josh <laughs> Allen comes back. He doesn't miss a play. However, he was picked on the next pass attempt. So uh, things did smooth out for that, and the Bills got the win. Uh, they spread the ball around well in this one. Gabe Davis had a career-high nine receptions for 87 yards. Uh, Khalil Shakur had six catches for a career-high 92 yards, and tight end Dalton Kincaid notched his first career NFL touchdown. So the Bills get the win. They get sort of the mini-buy now with a little extra time to recoup to try to get healthy, as healthy as this team's going to get, and they stay in contention in the AFC East. What did you see in this one? What I see is what the Bills always do. They, They beat a bad team. It's that simple. Like, I don't take this as any sign that the Bills fixed their problems. I don't think that the Bills are a contender again because of this. I think the Bills are fine. I think the Bills are going to be above average as long as they have Josh Allen. But I think that's all they are at this point due to all the injuries that they have. Uh, I think they're above average. Uh, And this was truly, in my opinion, just a, a Josh Allen lifting, you know, lifting the team up with him to go and win a game. And they were up the whole game, so it's hard. It's weird to say that. Um, but he he spread the ball around, had four guys really involved. It does seem like Gabe Davis steps up in these, like, I don't – either big games or, like, night games, it seems like. If the Bills are playing a game that people are watching, Gabe Davis scores. like, And Gabe Davis has a big night. I would say that the one big takeaway that you could have to be positive if you wanted to be would be that Dalton Kincaid looked really good in this game. So if you could get Dalton Kincaid really going, Davis has looked like a legitimate number two option this year. Maybe you could have a fun kind of kind of three-headed monster with Diggs, Davis, and Kincaid. Uh, but I I don't know. I, I they just they smell like fraud to me. And I think it'll be revealed this coming week against Cincinnati. I will never forget the 2021 playoffs when Gabe Davis caught four touchdown passes against the chiefs in that loss, like the dude came in, to, he, he had six touchdowns that whole season. And then he got yeah. four touchdowns, 200 yards receiving in that game. One of the wildest, like one-off performances I've ever seen. And I was like, that was only a second year in the league. I was like, who is this guy? I wasn't covering that. I think that was the year we started chalk talk, but I was just starting to cover the NFL full time. And, uh, 
I was like, who is this guy? And why have I not heard of him before? The funny Gabe Davis is a funny fantasy story. So I know you're not a fantasy guy, but after that four touchdown performance, and I'm pretty sure he was, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure he might've had a good game the week before that against new England too. But after that four touchdown performance and how he did in the playoffs, all the fantasy heads made him a top 15, top 20 receiver pick last year and i was like that's a lot of you know you're putting a lot of faith in the playoff performance there i think he's more of a top 30 35 guy and that's what he was he didn't live up to what he was drafted to be last year and the funny thing is this year there was a massive overcorrection i felt like and he was being drafted outside of the top 40 receivers and i was like well no he's He's an he's a good player and he could pop and have some big games where he wins you weeks. So I think it's worth taking him in the top 40. And he's kind of exactly what he's been all three years. Like he's big game dependent. And if you play him every week, he'll win you a couple of weeks. But it's just funny because that was, you know, who you mentioned that four touchdown game and you said, I remember it. So does the fantasy community <laughs> because it convinced a lot of people, a lot of things. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on to a historic game in the Sunday uh, early slate. That was the Houston Texans at the Carolina Panthers. Historic because it's the first time in NFL history the top three picks from the same draft have been on the same field as rookies. Uh, it turned into a defensive struggle. Houston loses 15-13. Uh, to 13. Uh, Bryce Young was sacked six times in this one by the Houston defense. Uh, Houston had nine tackles for loss and 10 QB hits, but when it mattered most, they could not get a stop on the final drive of the game, and Carolina kicked a game-winning field goal as time expired. Houston has now dropped two of their last three, both on the road, both by two points. Uh, this was Bryce Young's first game with a passer rating over 100, and he did it while he had no help from the run game. 24 carries for 44 yards from the running backs. Uh, he leaned on my guy, Adam Thielen, who had eight receptions for 72 <laughs> yards, cashing the best bet in football. Yes, it has surpassed Jalen Hurts' anytime touchdown score. Oh, yeah, or, Adam Thielen, over six and a half receiving yards. It was his sixth game with seven or more receptions, which is, this is hilarious. It's the longest streak in Carolina history, which surprises me with like Steve Smith. I would have thought that they would have a higher mark than that, but uh, Carolina topples doing it for him. That's true. Carolina topples Houston and gets their first one of the year. Yeah. And, and you know, you got to feel good about this if you're a Panthers fan, because obviously I think you probably have some fears that you might've took the wrong guy. And that's not, you know, that doesn't, that's not like it's over today. That conversation is going to be happening for the rest of these guys' careers, or at least as long as it's a conversation, but it's got to feel good that Bryce Young probably played the best game of his year so far this week. And CJ Stroud happened to probably play the worst game of his year so far. 16 for 24 for 140 yards for CJ Stroud. And I think Stroud's really good. I mean, we talked about it on here, how good we both think Stroud is. I do think, and I've brought it up on here. I don't know if it's a play calling thing because Bobby Slowick is a Shanahan guy. D'Amico Ryan's a defensive guy. Could they be being conservative? Or is CJ Stroud not taking enough chances? Because it does seem like way too much of their offense is screens, way too much of their offense is three yard slants. Uh, I'd be curious to know what his A dot looked like in that game or just in general throughout the year and how that ranks. But it feels like Houston is really lacking in terms of creativity on getting the ball down the field. 
I mean, in this game, their their leading their leading receiver was Brown, three catches for fifty seven yards. Then they had Nico Collins, four catches for thirty yards. Like that's not good enough in twenty twenty three. And they actually ran the ball okay in, in this game, not terribly, but not good enough to make up for the fact that there was no explosive plays in the passing game for the entire game. Yeah. So ironically, CJ Stroud actually has the ninth highest a dot so far this year at okay. 8.6, uh, which is surprising to me. Uh, his turnover worthy play rate ranks uh, seventh lowest at 2.2% yeah. uh, behind Josh Allen, Dak Prescott, Jared Goff, Matthew Stafford, Joe Burrow, and Tyrod Taylor. So, Ironically, this might be the only time you ever hear me say this. They need CJ Stroud to have some more turnover worthy plays. Just <laughs> yeah, be no, a little I more gunslinger ish. Try to figure some stuff out. And that's usually the arc you see for quarterbacks early on in their career. It's like, I can make that throw. Oh, no, I can't. And you get that learning process. And uh, as good as Stroud's been, this year isn't the end all thing for Houston. Like, now they may no. be able to make the playoffs, but. I would rather see Stroud try to push the push the boundaries here and see what he can do. Hundred percent. And just on the other side, the Carolina, uh, Thomas Brown, uh, their offensive coordinator, was given play calling duties before this game. And if you watched it, it made a lot more sense. Like the Carolina's offense just seemed to make more sense, seemed to move the ball better. Not that they, you know, put up a, a ton of points. They only scored fifteen points. But they had a nice drive to finish the game here to get a field goal as well. Um, so Frank Reich, I don't know what that says about Frank Reich, that <laughs> he gave up you know, play-calling duties, and it seems like they figured things out. Uh, but he gave like an impassionate speech in the, in, the, you know, in the locker room dedicating the ball to Thomas Brown, their offensive coordinator. So I thought that was worth bringing up. All right, let's roll on to the Los Angeles Rams at the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Dallas wins this game 43 to 20. They had a 10, three lead. And then in a three minute period, they jumped that lead to 26 to three Durant Duran bland got a pick six, by the way, his third of the season uh, no other defender has even two scores this year. And the NFL record is four. So NFL record watch for Duran bland. Uh, then they had a punt blocked out of the end zone. Then they scored a touchdown. So, uh, the Cowboys really piled it on in a short time as things snowballed for the Rams. Uh, the bigger thing for the Rams, though, is Stafford injured his thumb and Brett Rippon came into the game. And as a guy who liked Brett Rippon in the draft as a day three guy, Brett Rippon's not it. So hopefully Stafford is fine. He's able to come back. Uh, the biggest thing I noticed for the Cowboys is CeeDee Lamb is starting to be used outside more. They've started using him as like the solo receiver in these three by one sets, and it's working. He was targeted 14 times, had 12 receptions for 158 yards and two touchdowns. This was the first time the Dallas offense scored more than two touchdowns since week one. And so if Dallas's offense is right, their defense is overcoming the Trevon Diggs injury. Micah Parsons had eight pressures, seven of which were under two and a half seconds, which is tied for the most this season. Suddenly this team could get really scary again. They haven't looked right since the San Fran game. They're trending better in a big matchup with the Eagles coming up this week. So uh, I'm really curious to see how that one plays out. F-R-A-U-D-S. Frauds. <laughs> That's what the Dallas Cowboys are. I don't care about this game because the LA Rams are also frauds. They are who we thought they were. They're a bad football team. And we got tricked by that. I think Sean McVay is such a good coach 
that to start the year, I think preparation matters so much. And I think coaching matters so much. Once you have injuries and you have guys in and out of the lineup and, you know, the, the general wear and tear on a season where I think buying in on a coach's message message matters less. I think the Rams, you're seeing the talent deficiencies across that roster, whether it be the offensive line, whether it be on all stages of the defense, whether it be the running backs, like, you're starting to really see the problems that me and Shane were pointing to this offseason when we thought the Rams were going to be one of the two to three worst teams in football. And by the way, I think if you took the last couple games the Rams have played and extrapolated it over the rest of the season, whatever the last uh, – what week are we in? We're in week eight. If you took the last ten weeks of the season, I think the Rams will be a bottom five team in that ten-week stretch. That's how bad I think the Rams will be the rest of the way. And Stafford did get banged up in this game as well, so that's another factor. But even if Stafford plays, I think you'll see the Rams have a really, really tough season the rest of the way. All right, let's go to Green Bay, who is also having a really tough season. They get beat by Minnesota 24-10. to Suddenly, after a 1-4 start, Minnesota has won three in a row to get back to 500. But Kirk Cousins exited this game with an injury later confirmed to be a torn Achilles, which sucks real uh, quick. Yeah. In honor of Kirk cousins, because this happened on Monday night football live uh, while we're, while we're on Jimmy Garoppolo just hiked the ball and immediately prepared to be sacked. I call that a Kirk cousins, which is mean when we're talking about how, you know, I feel bad. I feel awful for Kirk cousins. That was the most Kirk cousins esque play I've ever seen in my life. Jimmy hiked it and immediately like turned his back to the to the the defender that was coming at him. It was an insane play. But I saw I'm sorry. Continue. I that was disrespectful by me to, to Kirk Cousins. The but disrespect for Kirk. Yeah. I mean, it just sinks. Like he it's hasn't so- missed a game in his career due to an NFL injury. He was seventh in DYAR, eighth in DVOA. He was 35 years old, playing one of the best seasons of his career, about to hit open free agency. And we don't see that happen with quarterbacks very often. Like watching his free agent arc was going to be fascinating. And it still will be like teams are going to have to evaluate what is related to Justin Jefferson, which which, to be clear, I think Kirk's played incredible football this season. I mean, Justin Jefferson went out and Kirk's carried this offense, which sounds crazy to say in the year 2023. So Hopefully he comes back. Hopefully he goes and gets a bag in free agency. But that brings me to a question I want to ask before we talk about the Packers. If Stafford misses significant time, Kirk is gone now. Who gets the seventh wildcard spot in the NFC? So obviously you got Philadelphia and Dallas, uh, San Fran and Seattle, Detroit. Whoever wins the NFC South. New Orleans. It's going to be a second NFC South team, right? Like with Stafford out, maybe hmm. with Kirk out, I think you're going to end up with two teams from the NFC. The worst division in football is going to get two teams into the playoff. It could be the Commanders. I don't think so. I think it could be. I uh, I lean Commanders. I'm I don't buy them. I don't buy I don't buy them either. Means <laughs> 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 so I have to buy them. I guess it could be the Falcons. No, I, yeah. I, I think mean, Falcons Saints is more likely. 
I I bet we're going to – I'm so jumping the gun. It has nothing to do with what we were about to say. I bet New Orleans plus 250 to win the NFC South last week, which feels like a really smart bet now. I bet they're favored. Um, So I feel really good about them to win the South. So, yeah, it comes down to Atlanta, Tampa, or Washington. I think I would take both Atlanta and Tampa over Washington right now. I would probably take Atlanta since they are ahead of them, and I think that they did beat Washington. So I'll, I'll take Atlanta, um, but Washington probably is in the mix. So that begs. The I mean, question. they're starting. They're playing Tyler, Taylor Heineke now, so they're like three wins better than they are yeah. with Desmond Ritter. So we'll get it to that begs, one in a minute. I've got thoughts. It begs the question, though: if Minnesota trades for Jacoby Brissett or Jameis Winston, is it Minnesota? Yes, I yeah, think I so. Think I agree. I think yeah. I agree. It def- if it's Jacoby, for sure. If it's Jameis, I lean them, but I wouldn't say for sure. I would say I think I like Jameis more than Jacoby. Yeah, I'm not. I, I'm not a. I'm not a Jameis guy, but neither am I. <laughs> <laughs> I, I. You said you said it makes it the guy. I'm painting you the Jameis guy now. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Yeah. So on the Packers side, the Packers offense has not scored a first half touchdown in the last five games, Mark. Like. It's a problem. They're starting way too slow. Uh, I don't even really want to talk about them because they're going nowhere. But I do want to point out Jordan Addison, who was your guy in the draft, had seven catches for 82 yards and a touchdown. He now has seven touchdowns in his first eight games, and he's only the sixth receiver in the Super Bowl era to do that. So shout out to Jordan Addison. Life's definitely going to get tougher now with Kirk Cousins out, but Jordan Addison is off to a great start to his NFL career. Was he a my guy? Because I felt like we all liked him. Uh, I feel like I'm pretty sure that he was hot. You were higher on him than anybody else was. Hmm. Yeah, I can sure look it up. No, I'm just I, I don't remember him because I definitely liked him, but I don't remember him being like someone I had to argue about, I guess. Yeah, I had. So let's see. Yeah, you yeah, had you had really Jordan good. Addison 14th. I had him 22nd. Uh, Dibes had him at 31st so you were higher on him like we all had him first round guys but you had him like top half of the first round I would say in like late first round Dibes didn't like him that's really what it was I feel like I, now that I'm thinking about it I, you were in the middle I felt like you liked him but you just liked other receivers more but Dives was out on Addison. That's that's why you're remembering that probably. Yeah. That, that I, Ironically, us, the, yeah. the spread that you and I had between JSN and Jordan Addison is the same you just had both guys like seven spots higher than I did. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, JSN, we'll talk about JSN in just a minute. Yeah. All right, let's roll on to Indianapolis where uh, New Orleans picks up a win 38-27. to 27. Alvin Kamara had 110 scrimmage yards and two touchdowns, roughly split between passing and receiving. Taysom Hill had nine carries for 63 yards and two touchdowns one reception for 14 yards, and he completed a 44-yard pass, uh, which is more than you could say for Gardner Minshew, who completed only 56% of his passes and threw a pick. Jonathan Taylor had 12 carries for 95 yards, but then only one carry in the second half for some reason. His usage continues to be strange. Uh, And Derek Carr probably had his best game as a Saint, throwing for over 300 yards and two touchdowns, although he was strip-sacked once. Uh, And like you said, New Orleans, I think, they, you think they're the favorite to win the division now? Uh, I think they're definitely in contention for a playoff spot. Yeah, I think they'll absolutely be in the playoffs. I wonder what their odds are just to make the playoffs. 
Um, I'm going to try to find them while, while we're talking, but I, I just, like you just laid out, that, that's a really good, that's a really good, you know, endorsement of why you should try to go find that price. Yeah. I'm seeing minus minus one fifty. That's probably not worth laying that money to make the playoffs, but I was really impressed by the saints in this game um, on both ends. I know that they gave up a lot of points, but it felt like a lot of them were on penalties. Like the Colts kind of penalty their way down the field or they had these long explosive running plays. It felt like they did a really good job against the pass. And I do know Minshew put some stats up. The Saints were up and the Colts were throwing. But in the first half of this game, the Saints kind of controlled it, um, even though it was still kind of close. I I felt good about how the Saints played in this game. It actually felt like Dennis Allen wasn't incompetent in this game. Like It (laughs) felt like a well-coached game. Uh, The Saints were my best bet uh, because of how I saw – how I – you know, last year – Gardner Minshew played against the Saints with the Eagles, and he looked terrible. It was the worst game I've ever seen Gardner, Gardner Minshew play. So I figured, with with it, in Indy against the same defense with much much worse supporting pieces around him than he had in Philly, he's probably going to struggle against Dennis Allen's defense again. And I want to know. I, I'm curious as we're sitting here talking. I'm sure his stat line in the classic Gardner Minshew fashion ended up looking a lot better than it felt. Um, but yeah, okay. It's not okay. 23 for 41, 213 yards, 5.2 yards, uh, yards per throw. That's not great. 76, pa- uh, passer rating 23, for 41. He was pretty inaccurate in, in this game and new Orleans definitely had him moving in the pocket. Dennis Allen, whatever, whatever he has figured out, he makes Gardner Minshew uncomfortable. Um, so I, I knew that new Orleans was going to win this game. And you just take a look at New Orleans' schedule, and I mean, yeah, they're going to win ten games. Like it, it feels like they're probably going to be a 10-11 win team. Uh, maybe eleven's too strong, but Chicago. Just looking upcoming, Chicago at home, Minnesota with whoever their backup is on the road, Atlanta, Detroit. That's tough. Carolina, the Giants, the Rams, the Bucks. And the Falcons again. They play one good team the rest of the year. Maybe yeah. three if you want to say the Falcons count as two, but that's a pathetic schedule. If you are serious about the commanders making the playoffs, you can get them at plus 800 to make the playoffs right now. What's Atlanta? Atlanta is uh, minus 180. And New Orleans, is that minus one? Because I was looking on probably a different app than you're looking. Was What's New Orleans number? Minus 150. Yeah, same no, same number. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably – you're probably right then. It's probably going to be Atlanta, New Orleans. What's Tampa's number? Uh, Shoot, I just closed it. I'll pull, <laughs> okay, I'll pull yeah, I clicked the tab off because I thought you were done asking. No, that's that – New, that's new move. I got it back up now. That's uh, my fault. Tampa is plus 200. Oh, okay. Wow, they really think Washington stinks. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> that's fair. Okay. Hey, I, I was done for bringing it up. So you're right. NFC South's gonna get two gonna get two teams in there. I think so, yeah. That's pathetic. <laughs> All right, let's roll on here. Uh, I'm having a hard time conceptualizing the time since we had our blackout at the beginning of the show. Uh, <laughs> it's a long uh, one. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly where we're at time wise, but we're still in the noon game. So let's keep cool. this train rolling and we'll go to Miami. Uh, Miami picks up a win over the Patriots 31-17. New England had not allowed a 100-yard receiver this season. 
Uh, Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill each topped 100 yards in this one. In week two, they held the duo to 126 yards, but in week eight, it was 233 combined yards. As Tyreek Hill crossed 1,000 yards on the season, his 1,014 yards is the most in the first eight games in the Super Bowl era. He is on a tremendously record-setting pace so far this year. And it's funny to talk about how dynamic their offense is and then talk about the Patriots, who gained only 218 yards and had three three three-and-outs. The only thing that was working for their offense was Kendrick Bourne, and he tore his ACL, done for the year. Hate to see that. I thought Kendrick Bourne was – You just broke that news to me. That sucks. Oh, you didn't know that? No, that sucks. And I thought – I thought Kendrick Bourne was maybe a prime candidate to end up in Kansas City or Baltimore or somewhere that needed a receiver. Uh, injured in the game, found out today that's it was an ACL injury. So that's awful news for him uh, and for the Patriots, who I honestly think would have traded him. And if that's the case, they were stupid for having him out there. But you hate to see a guy ever go down like that. Uh, On the flip side of the injury news, though, you have Jalen Ramsey making his Dolphins debut after the meniscus injury in training camp. He had a 49-yard interception. He was not on a pitch count. He played, I should say, a snap count. Didn't mean to trigger any bad memories there. Uh, He was not on a a snap count. He played 47 of their 51 defensive snaps. So uh, Jalen Ramsey is apparently back, and he gives a shot in the arm to this Dolphins defense. Did you see what Mike McDaniel said about Jalen Ramsey's pick? I did not. What do you say? He said, oh, I almost wish – I'd almost be better for me to, like, send the clip and play it. Um, no, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. But he, he said, uh, Mike McDaniel, he was like, I was supremely disappointed in him. Um, you know, he said he was going to get a pick six, not a pick field goal. He's <laughs> like, it's like he only returned it to field goal range. So like, we didn't even end up scoring on that drive. So, you know, I had to have a conversation with Jalen after the game. <laughs> Here we go. (laughs) Oh, well, I thought there we went, but the video is not playing. So never mind. Viewers, I'll tweet it later. You can go look at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, Mike McDaniel's classic. Um, And then so the craziest kind of, you know, the Kendrick Bourne thing stinks because the craziest thing is I, I vividly remember 2021 uh, when we first started the show, we did a preview for the Patriots and I was like, watch out for Kendrick Bourne. I've always liked this guy in San Francisco. He went to new England. And he, I mean, he's been pretty good. And his first year he had 55 catches for 800 yards, five touchdowns last year, not as good, but this year he's on pace for, I mean, 74 catches, 800 yards, eight touchdowns. He was on pace for like, pretty solid season in a broken offense. And, and I think he's really talented. That's, that is an absolute bummer. He's also on a fantasy team of mine, like a deep fantasy league where he's actually pretty usable. So man, that's brutal. All right. Well, let's turn the page to another brutal game. This Ooh, one oh, real quick pause timeout. I forgot to say, this is also what the dolphins do. They beat bad teams. They lose to good ones. Nothing to see here. It doesn't change my opinion of them. All right, let's roll on to it. Doesn't make the segue work now. Oh, here we go. I got it. Speaking of bad teams, let's go to the Meadowlands (laughs) and we'll talk about uh, the worst football game in NFL history. Let's start with the ending first. Down three with 24 seconds left. 
Graham Gano misses a field goal. So Zach Wilson gets the ball back with no timeouts. Completes a 29-yard pass to Garrett Wilson. The clock has stopped because Kevon Thibodeau lined up offsides. Wilson then hits Alan Lazard for 29 yards. Got the spike with a second left, and Greg Zerline tied the game up. Zerline later won the game in overtime, much to the enjoyment of Jets minus two and a half uh, ticket holders like yourself. Uh, but here we go. I just listen to these stats. The New York Giants had a 4% success rate passing the football. They had a negative 9.1 air yards to the sticks, which is the lowest since the stat began being tracked in 2006. 12 runs by the Giants on third and three or more, which is the record since at least the year 2000. Saquon Barkley had 36 carries. Only 13 running backs have had over 35 carries since 2013, and he had the lowest yards per carry of all of them. And combined, there were 15 punts in the first half, which is the most since the NFL started collecting punt data in 1991. Finally, the 24 total punts in this game were more than the combined 23 points scored. So the worst, literally the worst offensive football game of all time. Shout out to the Jets and the Giants. At least, uh, I was going to say at least the Jets were doing it with a backup quarterback. I guess technically the Giants were doing it with a third stringer, so... You get what you pay for. Tommy DeVito. Hey, I'm walking here. Forget about it. Yeah, I mean, it's classic. Tommy DeVito, literally the name of the of uh, Joe Pesci's character in Goodfellas. Um, I don't even know what to say about this game. This was a this was a roller coaster. This ended like 10 minutes after the rest of the one o'clock games in overtime, too. This is this was just an insane, insane, stupid, stupid game. Uh, and if the Jets would have lost this game, I think you could have made an argument. It would, it would have been the worst loss in NFL history. The Giants could not complete a forward pass. They, they just they couldn't. They couldn't complete a forward pass. If they would have been, if they would have lost this game, just contra- they should have contracted the Jets franchise. Like give the Giants, <laughs> give the Giants the good Jets players. New York, not they can't handle two teams. They've proven. steal their field. Yeah. Oh, I think he froze. Mark. While Mark appears frozen, I'm going to go ahead and start talking about the next game as our technical difficulties uh, continue here. Oh, I see Mark moving again. There you are. <laughs> it was you that time. On. It wasn't me. Oh yeah, I don't know what's going on. Who knows. <laughs> All right, well, let's roll on to our next game here. Uh, it's clear that the StreamYard gods do not want us to spend any more time on this massacre at the Meadowlands. So yeah. let's roll on to Pittsburgh, where the Jacksonville Jaguars beat the Steelers 20-10. to 10. Uh, Travis Etienne had a 56-yard touchdown on a go route at the boundary. Uh, Trevor Lawrence said after the game, quote, I don't know if we've ever thrown the ball to that running back out there, end quote. Uh, ETN had 79 rushing yards as well. He's the first Jags player with 70 plus rushing and receiving yards since Maurice Jones drew did it in 2011. So uh, Travis ETN making big plays for the Steelers, George Pickens making plays his 22 yard touchdown reception with a hurdle. I don't know if you saw that. That was awesome. Uh, Per next gen stats. It was a 4.9% touchdown probability. And he scored on that one. Minka Fitzpatrick injured his hamstring in the first. 
Uh, Mike Tomlin has already said he will miss Thursday, or, yeah, Thursday night football this week. Kenny Pickett injured his uh, – actually, I don't remember what he injured. He got hurt in the second quarter, and Mitch Trubisky came in through two fourth-quarter interceptions. Uh, Mike Tomlin was non-committal on Kenny Pickett playing Thursday, but I think the general sense is he probably will since Tomlin was willing to rule out Minka. Uh, here's the take from this game. Jacksonville needs to push all their chips into the middle and go make a move at the deadline. They they sit atop the AFC, tied, albeit. But look at their strength of schedule. Who are they contending with? Baltimore, hardest strength of schedule left. Cincinnati is number two. Buffalo is three. Miami is four. Kansas City is 12. Jacksonville's all the way down at 17. They're the only team of that group I mentioned that's a serious contender in the AFC with a remaining strength of schedule below 500, significantly below. It's like 46% versus the Chiefs is like 53. There's a huge difference there. There is no reason that the AFC playoff should not run through Jacksonville. And so the Jaguars push the chips into the table. I'm going to steal a bit from later because in my closing thoughts, I'm going to propose some trade deadline moves and you can mix them or not. The Jags should go trade for Carl Lawson from the Jets. He's only played 17% of their snaps this year. He's been inactive for two games. Final year of his deal. Jets have spent a first-round pick each of the last two years on edge rushers. But Lawson had seven sacks last year. Go get Carl Lawson. The splashier move is Josh Uche. I think he's going to cost you more. But go get Carl Lawson. Go get Josh Uche. I would love to see them go make a move and go be buyers at the deadline. They very realistically could be the one seed in the AFC if they'd make some moves. They could be the one seed in the AFC without making moves. That's true. I, I feel that good about Jacksonville. But no, I agree. Of course, go get another pass rusher to add to Josh Allen because Josh Allen's a one-man pass rushing crew for your team there. They don't really have anyone else. It's too bad they don't didn't like spend a first-round pick on a pass rusher well, when they had the chance. It's too bad they didn't spend the first overall pick on a pass rusher. Oh, yeah, but that's hey, what I meant to say. <laughs> Jacksonville is doing the thing that you do when you have a bad defensive lineman who you drafted where you talk about how, you know, well, well you know, look at these pressures and, and hits and, you know, I get it. But he hasn't, like, had any production on any level, and he's not good against the run. So the Javon Walker stuff I never understood. Um, yeah. you were, you were higher than I was on Walker, but not like, not, you were not at all in the camp of where he should uh, dives was dives was very high on Trayvon Walker, but we were definitely skeptical on where he should go, uh, in terms of the, you know, I, I can't believe you went first still. I still can't believe it. Aiden Hutchinson. It, it, can you imagine this team with, with Aiden Hutchinson? I, I just want to say you're out here scapegoating me. I had Trevon Walker 16th and you had him 18th. So yeah, uh, Dib- I was right there. Yeah, well, you were a little higher. Yeah. Dives had higher. him sixth. I thought you had him like eighth or ninth, to be quite honest. Uh, so I didn't even know I had him 18th. I would have told you. If you would have made me guess, I would have guessed like 12th. But yeah. uh, 18th, I'm happy with that. Um, we both had Jermaine Johnson 17th, which is funny. That is funny. How's he been, Jermaine Johnson, overall? You know, to be honest, I'm not sure. I don't think he's been very good, but <laughs> I could I be totally off there though. Um, but yeah, I, what about Chase Young? What? A, oh yeah. Oh, I, I was like, well, Chase Young's been pretty good. But yeah, but now if, I know what Jackson. If Jackson, would you give up? Like, I would give up like a second to go get Chase Young. Yeah, absolutely. It, I mean, 
I'm assuming at that point you're going to sign him to a contract, but you still got a QB on a rookie deal. I'd give a second for Chase Young or Montez Sweat, who maybe is a better player. Uh, whichever one yeah. of those guys, like I've heard that a third was offered for Montez Sweat. If I could get Montez Sweat for a third over Chase Young for a second, I'd do it. Either one of those guys would be great. Just go get a pass rusher. Go make a move. Go get two pass good. rushers. Go I get Josh wish- Uche and Chase Young. Be be totally irresponsible. Trent Balky is going <laughs> to blow your first round pick anyways. Just go get some guys. I, I wish uh, I wish we didn't have a million pass rushers so we could get in on. I guess Washington wouldn't trade him here anyway, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. All right, let's roll on to Tennessee. One of the more surprising results of the day is Will Levis throwing four touchdown passes as the Tennessee Titans beat the Atlanta Falcons 28 to 13, wrecking yet another one of my bets. I'm about done gambling for the year, I think, but Will Levis threw the fourth, fifth, and eighth longest air yard touchdowns of the season in his first start. He was also pressured on 44% of his dropbacks, something he really struggled to deal with in college. Didn't matter. He just said, hey, DeAndre Hopkins is down there somewhere. Desmond Ritter had negative 0.51 EPA per play. Taylor Heineke comes into the game and had 0.27 EPA per play. Ritter had three points in the first half. He also had an NFL-leading 12th turnover. Taylor Heineke had 20 points in the second half. Now, Arthur Smith said after the game that the switch was injury-related. Desmond Ritter was evaluated for a concussion. He was cleared, but he didn't return to the game. Arthur Smith said that he still has confidence in Desmond Ritter. Here's the take. If Arthur Smith announces Desmond Ritter starting this week, they should fire him on the spot. Like, it's, like that's that. egregious. If at this point, if he comes out, if he walks into the office and says, Hey, we're going to start Desmond Ritter, the GM should be like, Hey, you're out of here. <laughs> and the shame of it is, I think Arthur Smith is like just generally a very good, like, play caller, schemer. Like, I think he's generally a good coach. But I think how he handles these personnel things and also how he handles the media. He said that Desmond Ritter wasn't benched for performance reasons. All right, dude. Like you said, he was ruled clear. I just don't. He's a weird guy. I think that's what it comes down to. Arthur Smith is a weird cat. Weird he's, character. He is a weird guy, but not in the way that Mike McDaniel is a weird no. guy. Where he's funny. He's just a weird dude. It's not charming at all. Yeah. It's the exact opposite. It's very off-putting. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into the afternoon slate here. Got a few games in the afternoon slate. Seattle is the first place that we'll go. Uh, They beat Cleveland 24 to 20. They were on the cusp of losing to PJ Walker, but an interception late in the game gave them a chance and they responded with a 52 yard touchdown drive to win the game. Seattle had a lot of costly penalties in this game. Two first downs on illegal use of hands, a PI on fourth and two uh, ends up costing the Browns this game. They're wasting this defense. Another team that should go trade for Jacoby Brissett, the Cleveland Browns, which would just be hilarious. It's not going to happen, but it's just sad to see such a good defense go to waste in Cleveland. Yeah, I, I, This was, you know, this saved my day on Sunday. I had Seahawks minus three and a half. It's one of my biggest bets of the day. And it's one of those where you, you know, you crumple the ticket up and you throw it in the trash can and you think that it's over. 
And then I wasn't even watching the game and I got the notification that Seattle scored with like 30 seconds left or something crazy. Uh, so I ended up going back and watching what happened. And this is yet another win for Seattle that, you, you know, you don't feel good about. Like they're yeah. sitting here at five and two. They won. They're, they're leading the division over San Fran. And I'm like, are, are they as good as I hope they'd be? Like, I, I can't get a read on Seattle. I think Pete Carroll, I think they're just pretty good in every facet. Pete Carroll's a really good coach. And Gino, even when he's trying to lose you the game sometimes with picks, is still able to make a couple big plays happen with DK and Lockett. It just feels like they can never put it all together to have you know that game where they come out like gangbusters and look great. But they also, I don't know if they have it in them to get blown out. Like, I don't think they can look that bad in a game. Like, I almost want to compare them to the Vikings of last year, but I think that's disrespectful to the Seahawks. I think they're better than that. But I do think they're sort of along the lines of they're going to play close games almost every week. Yeah. Yeah, you talk about gambling, man. My two biggest bets of the week was Atlanta minus two and a half against the quarterback nobody wanted in Will Levis who has that incredible performance. And then Houston uh, minus two and a half against a winless team. And, and they lost outright. I, I couldn't yeah. believe it. It's been I a rough Houston. two weeks of gambling for me. <laughs> I had Houston too. Uh, that, that was a tough one. I, and by the way, I, I wanted to zoom past the last game. So I disrespectfully did not even talk about the Will Levis thing. Will Levis might end up being like, I might need to delete some tweets. Like we might need to delete some podcasts, get get them out of the ether, because I've said some mean things about Will Levis, <laughs> and I, I did not feel great about Will Levis, which is funny because I liked them in college, but once you're watching him with like a keen eye scouting, I thought there were a lot of flaws and there were a lot of things that I didn't think could be fixed um, at the NFL level. He looked really good. He looked really good in that game, um, and a lot of that is just being smart enough to target DeAndre Hopkins, which, you know, hey, uh, it's, it's, you know, dumb money don't make no – I forget what, what saying I was even going to try Scared to throw money. out there. Scared money, yeah, what, um, it's late, even though it's not. It's like it's like uh, 7 o'clock where I'm at right now, but it feels like it's like 13 o'clock. Yeah. All right, well, let's roll on to uh, – the Arizona Cardinals who face the Baltimore Ravens and Mark, I got to show you a video here to start this one off. There's Ooh, no better like place video. to start Baltimore, Arizona than this gym. And was assisting people down. My man just started throwing babies out the window. We was catching them. Unlike Aguilar and his mishaps. I like to put that out there. His, I forgot about his mishaps. Yeah, there you have it. <laughs> So Arizona scored, for those of you that don't know what we're talking about, that when Nelson Aguilar was with Philadelphia, that was a firefighter giving an interview in the midst of Aguilar dropping all these passes. Well, in this game, Arizona scores a touchdown with a minute 14 to go to cut it to a 10-point lead. They go for the onside kick, and Nelson Aguilar muffed it. Uh, a field goal ensued. However, Aguilar did recover the rema- the next onside kick, and the Ravens were able to get out with a game a win that was not this close as it looked not as close as it looks on the scoreboard. But Baltimore has a lead of over ten percent DVOA over second place. They have the best DVOA in the history of the statistic 
for a six and two team. This wow. team is very, very good. Uh, and that's why I said Lamar Jackson MVP. I think that's a good bet. I think the Ravens are going to win a lot of games. Now they do have a brutal schedule. Uh, also a fun fact on Lamar Jackson in his career versus NFC teams, he has a 17 and one record, which is a 95% winning percentage, the highest by any QB since at least 1970. Uh, the only other thing that stuck out to me in this game is Michael Pierce. Uh, it's not often you notice a 350 pound nose tackle in a game, but you did. If you were watching this one, he batted down a fourth down pass. He stuffed a fourth down run. He had a strip sack of Joshua Dobbs. Uh, the Ravens are playing really good football and the offense is starting to click. This is going to be a fun team to watch down the stretch. I'm pretty sure that Ravens NFC loss was, yeah. Oh my God. That's, that's amazing. It was Daniel Jones last year. It was the Giants. The Giants beat them. And I remember I bet on the Ravens against the Giants in that game and referenced that NFC stat. And then it's like, of course, Daniel Jones hands him their first loss. Um, yeah, Baltimore's really good. I struggle with Baltimore Jacksonville. Who do you take more seriously as an AFC contender that can beat Kansas City? I think Baltimore. I, I think Jacksonville. I think Jacksonville has a better chance to get the one seed by virtue of your schedules, but I think Baltimore is a better team. I, I think I'm just I'm so jagged. I'm so jagged up. Uh, you know, I, I'm such a I'm such a believer in the Jags, but I think the Ravens are third for me in the NFC, which means I put them ahead of Miami. Um, you mean I the think AFC? That, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. In the AFC, I put them ahead of Miami. I take them more seriously than Miami as a contender. Um, mm-hmm. But for me, it's Chiefs, number one, Jags and Ravens, like, neck and neck. And then Miami's, like, a little step down from that. Um, the Ravens are very much, very much a, a top five. They're a top five team in, in football. I think it's the Niners, the Eagles, the Chiefs, the Jags, and the Ravens. In my opinion, those are the five teams that can win the Super Bowl. And the Dolphins gonna, could too, I guess. I'm going to ask you a question here that's skipping a game, but we'll come back to it. How about Cincinnati? Where do you put Cincinnati? Yeah. Because after that game against San Francisco, I've got Cincinnati ahead of Miami. Uh, so I think that's fair. Cincinnati wins 31 to 17. And my takeaway from that game is just that Joe Burrow's back. He had 19 straight completions. Uh, he had scrambles coming off the bye week. The calf looks totally fine. Now we'll see how it looks, you know, next week on a regular week rest, but they got back under center for the first time this year. They've had over 90% in the shotgun all season. It's tremendously hard to run out of the shotgun. If you don't have a mobile quarterback low key, I think that's why the Eagles have had trouble with it. Jalen hasn't been as mobile the last few weeks with his injury. Hard to run out of shotgun. Uh, Joe Burrow had a 10.5% explosive play rate. He had a 7.9% scramble rate. And suddenly the Bengals are 4-3. and three. Only one game behind Baltimore in the loss column. Now Baltimore's 6-2. and two. They've played an extra game. But they have a huge matchup looming on Thursday night football in week 11 which will be really fun to watch. But before we get there, they've got Buffalo next week, which is going to be a huge matchup. Heat check for the Bengals, uh, who have the hardest strength of schedule remaining. I referenced that earlier. The Ravens are at number two. So these teams have their work cut out for them. But I am fully back on Cincinnati uh, after declaring them dead earlier this year because I did not expect Joe Burrow to come off the bye week and look back to normal. And he's fun to watch. I'm glad he's back. 
on the flip side, you see the 49ers, the wheels are just falling off. Start 5-0, and they've lost three straight games. Now, I will say, did I make a video clowning Brock Purdy for all the interceptions earlier today? Yes. I think he played really well. I think he just threw some big picks. Uh, they had the best offense by success rate in Week 8. Their, uh, their eight yards per play was the best in the league in Week 8. They're moving the ball well. Uh, their success rate plus explosive play rate was the fourth best of any game this season. It just looked bad at the end. And that's what it's been for him. I mean, you go to the week before against Minnesota. We didn't talk about it on this podcast. He looked good until the end when it was pick, pick, and it just looked bad. And uh, What I'm more concerned about for San Fran is their defense. They're allowing 122 rushing yards per game the last three weeks. The last two weeks – they have allowed 78% completion percentage for 378 yards and two touchdowns and 88% for 283 and three touchdowns. San Francisco's defense is a big problem, and they're going to have to get that fixed. Cincinnati played a perfect game. I mean, yep. Cincinnati, you, they played an absolutely perfect game. They got up early, exactly what you want to do, uh, 14-7, and they just they didn't let them up for breath. Like they didn't let them close after that, 24-10. Um, and then he, obviously Joe Mixon has a touchdown to ice the game where he high steps his way into the end zone. And I, I, the first thing I saw when, when you see Mixon doing that is, I mean, this team has their swagger back. The Cincinnati is a team that they when they ride high, they ride high, it feels like. Yeah, they almost remind me a little bit of the Phillies. I'm, I'm so down bad. Um, <laughs> but they are kind of like the football Phillies where it's like vibes and uh, you know, when they get going, they get rolling. Um, And I think that's Joe Burrow. Uh, And I, I was starting to have questions about this offense, even outside of Joe Burrow. And this is kind of stealing from Greg Rosenthal on around the NFL, but you start asking questions about like, is Mixon done? Is, is T Higgins really as good as we thought? You know, is Jamar Chase still in that elite conversation? And it turns out all it really was was that Joe Burrow was hurt. I really think that it was that simple. And honestly, the Bengals having to work through some of that stuff and the Bengals being able to come out on the other side with a defense that now had to play in some low-scoring dogfights, like, I think it probably helps the team. And I think, like... You see that win that they had against the Rams in week three on Monday night football. They were 0-2. The Rams were playing good football at the time. And you're able to win a game, I forget exactly, 16-13, low-scoring three-point win. And it didn't feel like the Bengals played well. It felt like they had every opportunity to lose that game. But the defense was able to guile it out and win a game for them. Now, you look at where they are, where are they four and three, I think they are right now. You look at where they're at at four and three, and imagine if they were three and four, you'd feel a lot differently about where the Bengals are at. So um, credit to the defense. Yeah, I was having a meltdown during this game because I had money on the Bengals money line in this one at plus 180. And I was like, it won't salvage my weekend, but it'll get it close. And literally, like, I knew they were winning. And I wrapped up post-game stuff. I flipped it on. And literally the first play I watched was the Bengals miss a field goal. And I was like, <laughs> you've got to be kidding me. And then later they fumbled in the red zone. I was like, get out of here. So I quit watching it. And then they came back and won. And so I went and watched the condensed version later. I was like, I must be a jinx of some sort. <laughs> All right. On to Denver 
uh, where uh, it was not a good day for the Chiefs. Uh, Patrick Mahomes coming into the game. Uh, was he going to have his flu game? And the answer was no. Uh, this was the Chiefs' first loss by more than four points since October 24th, 2021 at Tennessee. It broke an NFL record 40 straight games uh, without losing by more than four points. Kansas City only had one drive over 50 yards in this game. Mahomes threw two picks. He had a fumble. Mar- uh, MVS fumbled. Nicole Hardman muffed a punt. Sky Moore dropped a touchdown. It was just a bad, bad game. Uh, Travis Kelsey, this is a fun stat. The last time the Broncos beat the Chiefs was in 2015. Travis Kelsey led the Chiefs with 58 receiving yards. Mark, how many receiving yards do you think Travis Kelsey had to lead the Chiefs on Sunday? 40? 58. Same yeah. thing. So the moral of the story for the Chiefs is don't get Travis Kelsey 58 yards against the Broncos, and you're probably going to win the game. Yeah, no, that's fair. I I, I had the Chiefs to finish a teaser at plus oh, three. No. That's just brutal. Um, I can't believe the Chiefs lost this game and – I tweeted it out. It's like the Chiefs absolutely screwed me, and I will be hammering them next week against Miami minus two and a half in Germany. Like, I'm just going to put the blinders on, and I'll be hammering them again next week, even though they just broke my heart this week. Um, This is just, to me, this just felt like a weird game. It just felt like a wonky, weird, Denver hasn't beat them in 50 years and needed to get off the schneid, and Sean Payton had his guys ready to play. I think more than anything, I'm taking away that the defense is still really good. Like they, the defense kept giving Mahomes and the Chiefs offense chances to kind of get back in the game and to get the ball. There's a couple turnovers, and it, it just didn't matter. Um, the, the offense wasn't able to get going no matter what the defense did. Um, so I still think the Chiefs have a top five defense. And I think if you give me Patrick Mahomes in a top five defense, they could lose the next three games. I'll still probably feel pretty good about them. All right, let's roll on to Sunday night football, if we must. Uh, It is the Los Angeles Chargers hosting the Chicago Bears. Uh, They win 30-13. to Justin Herbert was 11 of 11 for 120 yards and two touchdowns in the first quarter. Uh, Austin Eckler had seven catches for 94 yards and a touchdown. His total through the first seven games was 83 yards receiving. He had 94 in this one. Uh, he is the fourth player in the Super Bowl era to have 30 rushing and 30 receiving touchdowns. Mark, can you name the other three? I cannot. Uh, you, what, what's the stat again? I'm sorry, 40 rushing, 30 receiving? 30 plus rushing, 30 plus receiving touchdowns. One of them. Shady? No, not Shady. Right team, West, wrong running back. Westbrook? Brian Westbrook's one. Okay. Um, McCaffrey? Not McCaffrey. Marshall Falk. Marshall Falk is, and you won't get the other one. James Brooks, who I've never yeah, even heard of. Uh, but of Roger Craig. But yeah, yeah, of those guys, Brian Westbrook, third round pick. Marshall Falk was the second overall pick. James Brooks was the twenty fourth overall pick. Austin Eckler is the only UDFA to do it. So impressive stuff from Eckler, uh, player I've always really liked. Well, I guess I mean I didn't know who he was as UDFA, but in the last few years, a guy I've really loved watching. I think it was the stat I saw over the last, or maybe it was three years, rushing touchdown leaders over the last three years. It was Eckler in first place at 40 
Who do you think was in second place at 29? Uh, Derrick Henry. Jalen Hurts. Oh, I was thinking running backs. That's a trick <laughs> question. Isn't that crazy? That, well, that no, is the crazy. Top, the top 10 was all running backs, and Jalen yeah. Hurts was second. <laughs> yeah, if I, if I like thought about it, I could get that because – Jalen you would Hurts know why I'm touchdown. asking too. Yeah, yeah. Jalen Hurts yeah. anytime touchdown, second best didn't, fed in sports. Uh, didn't hit this week though. That touch push was a 16 unit swing for me. That being fumbled on the one. Yeah, that one also really screwed my day up. So that's brutal. All right, and then we obviously are not talking about Monday Night Football because it's currently going on right now. Detroit. What I will. Oh, go ahead. What what I will say is about Monday Night Football, these Lions jerseys are an atrocity to all mankind. You have amazing jerseys. Just wear the Honolulu blues, the whites with the blue in it, the blue with the gray in it. Stop it. These gray jerseys are offensive. (laughs) All right. I'll say that Jimmy Garoppolo going six of 14 passing for 62 yards and an interception in the fourth quarter is offensive, but that's fair. <laughs> it's actually shocking. They just showed the, I think the total yardage is like Detroit 450 to Vegas, like 130. And somehow the Raiders are like, we're just down nine with the ball. It's like if the Raiders would have been, if the Raiders would have won this game, it would be one of the weirder games I'll ever, but they did have a pick six. All right. Well, that is going to wrap it up for this week. Let's kick it to final thoughts. Mark, I'm going to lead us off for my final thoughts. I'm going to present to you five deals that should be made at the trade deadline. That's tomorrow. So you guys might not even listen to this Tuesday before the trade deadline, but Mark, I'll present these. You tell me real quick. Yay or nay. Let's uh, do ba- it. Baltimore should go get Derrick Henry. A hundred percent. Get, get a running back. I've been on this for months. Yeah. I wanted Taylor Henry's even better. All right. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs should go trade for DeAndre Hopkins. They wanted him in the offseason, less than a million dollars. The Titans aren't going anywhere. Chiefs, go get DeAndre Hopkins. Titans aren't going to do it because Levis had too good of a game with him. They want to try to give Levis the guy to help him. That's fair. Uh, the Cowboys, sticking with the Titans here, should go get Christian Fulton, cornerback for the Titans. Uh, that lets them kick Deron Bland back inside. He's done fine on the outside. He's a better nickel. Their backup nickel stinks. Bring in Christian Fulton. I don't want to help the Cowboys, so pass. <laughs> All right, Detroit Lions. Devontae Adams, let's go. He is pissed right now. He's saying things. They need him out of Las Vegas. The Lions need a star player. They need a star receiver to go opposite of Monroe. Bring in Devontae Adams. I don't care what it costs. Go get him. Here's my rebuttal. I like it. I want a receiver in Detroit, but if it costs too much, just call Denver and see if you can get Jerry Judy. That would be my, I would say if you can't get Adams other one, by the way, because this is a name I tossed around. If you can't get Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton would be an interesting target for a team that needs a wide receiver out of Denver as well. I've never been the biggest Sutton guy. Yeah, I mean, he's lesser tier, it, but like I feel like yeah. you could probably get Cortland Sutton for like a conditional day Fourth. three pick. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Okay, and then my last one. This one's the biggest slam dunk in my opinion. 49ers need to go trade for Ezra Cleveland uh, from Minnesota. Yeah. He, he played left tackle in college. Trent Williams banged up. He played right guard as a rookie, left guard the last two and a half years. It's a win-win. Both of San Fran's offensive guards stink. 
Trent, everyone on their offensive line, except for Trent Williams, who's hurt all the time, stinks. So go get Ezra Cleveland, shore up that offensive line. Um, did you did you watch The Office? You ever watch The Office, Shane? Did I watch that? Unless you're talking about like the original British one. No, okay, yes, okay. I watched The I Office. I should have known that. I should like known seven that. times. Same here, same here. I should have known that. So the Minnesota thing, you suggested Minnesota should trade a guard. My rebuttal to that is they're going to need that guard when Jameis Winston slash Jacoby Brissett are leading them to the seventh seed for the NFC playoffs. But if it's not Jameis Winston and if it's not Jacoby Brissett and Minnesota decides to make a deal with the devil and call Carson Wentz, <laughs> the, the tweet I saw, I think it's Kyle Yates who had the tweet, um, said Carson Wentz agent in the meeting with the Vikings. And it's uh, Will Ferrell's character, D'Angelo Vickers, sitting there with uh, Andy Bernard. And he's like, this could be the best decision of your life or the worst decision of your life. <laughs> There's no in between. It's like if you want someone who's just going to get you your paper on time for the agreed upon price, he's not your guy. <laughs> and that's, I, I now I'm kind of rooting for Carson Wentz. The Carson Wentz Minnesota Vikings experience would be incredible. That would be very entertaining for sure. All right. That's my that's final it. thought. That's oh, that, okay. That's your, I was about to ask you for your final thought. You already gave it to me. Thank you guys for joining us for episode 128 of Chalk Talk. We came off the bye week totally unprepared. Technical glitches <laughs> abounded. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the show. I'll have the timestamps. So you can skip all the dead air, but. Uh, if you enjoy what you heard on the show, just know we're normally better than this. Just go Gotta ahead and smash better. that subscribe button. Anyways, turn on notifications. Drop us a five-star rating wherever you stream your podcast. Please give us reviews on Apple iTunes or Spotify. Those really help get the show out here to more people. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and YouTube at ShaneHalfNFL. You can follow Mark on Twitter at MarkHenryJr. We will catch you guys the, next time. The thing that – wait, before you go – my excuse for the technical difficulties is, you know, uh, when Shane had the technical difficulty, I wasn't able to see it because I didn't see it on the Jumbotron. Um, and, and my guys up in the booth didn't tell me, you know, I, you know, you, you can't blame me. My yeah, you, didn't, you weren't able to see the replay. So, yeah, I didn't see the replay. <laughs> and on that note, that's a great <laughs> ending to the podcast. On that note, we will catch you guys next time. <laughs>